Day six of the London Coronavirus Podcast, the only independent daily coronavirus podcast on the coronavirus content market. Listen, please stick with us, folks, as we seek to tread the very fine line of practicing positivity and practicality, as well as a little bit of light humour to what is, well, an absolutely brutal situation, really, in London, the UK, and of course, beyond and around the globe. Well, on the pod today, it is Mother's Day, Mothering Sunday. So it was a bit of a Mother's Day special. Our mums let us know their thoughts, feelings and advice during this really, really tricky time. Uh, We had a coronavirus confession from yours truly and plenty more besides. I was joined today by a former colleague and one of the most positive men I know, Mr. James Ware. James, I would ask you if you had a lazy Sunday, but I think every day could kind of be painted with that adjective preceding it at the moment. So I certainly hope you kept yourself busy today, mate. Yeah, routine-wise, every single morning is easy like Sunday morning, isn't it? Easy (laughs) mornings are really on sale right now. But... Yeah, I've rounded off the weekend in as much of a rounding way as was possible. And I'm super happy to be finishing it by celebrating our mums and all the mums out there, Dave. Because obviously we couldn't do it in a more orthodox way today. But to be able to celebrate them in any way is most important today. And I enjoyed their top tips having them on as our experts today. I think there was some real value in that, as well as learning how my mum's going to be living the quarantine dream over the next few weeks. It was a mum bonanza. I think it's always important, no matter what happens, James, to remember that mum knows best. Okay, enjoy the pod. James, I wanted to start today, mate, with a Saturday to Sunday segue, because we spoke yesterday about those important weekend lines between Friday and the weekend, which have kind of melted away, haven't they, in this crazy coronavirus world that we now find ourselves in? Well, this is the first weekend, really, of, well, at least a partial lockdown in London and the UK. So to me, it feels like that hazy, timeless period between Christmas and New Year, except with about 99% of the fun deleted. Uh, I just wondered how, how you found, you know, we spoke about it yesterday and how you found your, your first Sunday in this, this new era, this new world of lockdown. Yeah, it's definitely a brave new weekend world, isn't it? I can see what you mean about the Christmas New Year thing. It feels like there's this strange sense that you're meant to be having more fun, but there aren't necessarily that many avenues to be doing that. I feel like the weekend has almost had a rebrand. It's like when someone's taken your favourite product and for no apparent reason, they've completely changed up the recipe and then tried (laughs) to relaunch it as the same weekend, just different. Like one of those brand makeovers (laughs) that nobody was calling out for, right? I feel like that's the weekend right now. (laughs) But I have to say, in spite of that, weekend one, and I'm very conscious of the fact that sentence ends in a one rather than double digits, but Mm. weekend one, I have to say that I've enjoyed that weekend remix, Dave. Like, I found myself filling my day with real simple pleasures. That was especially the case today on day two of this Brave New Weekend World. I was filling my day with just waking up, meditating, having some yogurt and granola, doing a home workout, cooking some more eggs, 
going outside for some fresh air and a stroll. Um, it was a really dreamy Sunday that normally when I had other things I could and should be doing and lots of plans up in the air, I probably wouldn't have allowed myself really. It definitely like connected me with those simple pleasures. I'm really clear in my own head that a big reason those are appealing right now is they still have that novelty factor. And as that novelty factor wears off, as we'll probably be riffing on in a week's time, then maybe they won't appeal in the same way. But I think if you can find ways to keep that novelty up, and that's going to get more and more challenging the longer this goes on, then it seems like there can still be some appeal. And the main way I was trying this morning to keep that novelty as high as the shard was by (laughs) kicking off the day with what I intended to be my first ever live online yoga class. Now, Lots of the yoga studios have had to close with the rules that came in on Friday night have decided to keep doing some classes online and they have different models. This one is you pay what you want. So you can do it for free. You can make a small contribution, a big contribution towards the teachers and the people running it. And so I paid a couple of pounds, signed up, had rolled out my mat in the living room so that it was facing the light. You know, I was really going for that home studio feel, sure, had my sure. mug of water, you know, position my laptop, and I was ready to get into some downward dogs. And yoga is one of those things that, again, I'd like to in some ideal world that we never exist in at the best of times, do a bit more yoga, normally don't have time. I was like, I do have time now and I can easily do this live online session. And I was quite excited about it. You've got to get excited about the small things at the moment, haven't you? So I've been kind of bounding around the flat saying to my girlfriend, like, oh, I'm doing my first online live streamed yoga. As though this was like some kind of massive landmark, like (laughs) taking your driving test or having your first legal pint in a pub. I was trying to give it that kind of billing. And then somehow I managed to be late to this online yoga class and I missed the class like even though it was online and live stream I'd paid for the class I paid my two pounds I sat there and then it turned out that it was quite a complex booking system (laughs) and basically I paid for the package for the class but I hadn't actually booked into the class and the moment that 11 o'clock chimed on little Ben down the road the moment that that had gone the class had started and the online rules were even stricter than the studio rules. Like, that's <laughs> it. No joining the live link. So, yeah, my live streamed exercise regime didn't get off to the most positive side. It was the opposite of start as you mean to go on. And I've got to be honest, I was very late to a spin class in real life. Cast your mind back to those heady days when you actually went to a physical location to exercise a couple of weeks ago. They let me in. They were quite lenient with their rules because, again, officially the doors closed at start time. And that was at least entertaining because I had to make my way to this bike at the back of the room in pitch darkness. And I don't know if you've ever tried to clip in cycling shoes in complete blackness, but it was really challenging. Like, in the pitch black, I, I really couldn't do it. it took me 10 minutes that was more of a workout than the actual workout itself I was lucky not to pull a muscle clip again have to say that being late to an online class is equally <laughs> annoying 
considerably less amusing and I can't really make any of the times that they do this live stream this week because of when we record and the other work bits I have on so maybe I'll be able to bring you a live report on what a live streamed exercise yoga class in your living room looks like next weekend that should be the first one I could do uh, that's great, man. And you, I mean, you can't really knock on the online door, can you, I guess? If, if you're late for the class, you're late for the class. There's no kind of way you can navigate your way through the back door. You're just, you're just out. Yeah, you can't, like, work any charm, can you? No. That's a frustrating part <laughs> I've quickly discovered of the online exercise setup because running in late to a studio like I did a few weeks ago, I back myself to, you know, work a little bit of sweet talk and if there was half a chance, maybe find my way into the studio a couple of minutes late. But the internet browser, Google Chrome, just padlocks that door. <laughs> it's not having any of my sweet nothings when it comes to trying to talk my way in late. Amazing, mate. Before we go on to the to the next segment of the podcast, you're absolutely right. And we're not saying anything new here, right, about how, how important it is now more than ever just to take some pleasure in the simple things. And I'm buzzing that you had a great weekend. And this might seem stupid, James, but today, as I left the front door, I was just about to go down two flights of stairs and I just realised how great stairs are like I was just so excited <laughs> but honestly I was so excited to leave the front door and get out into London and I just realised how fantastic stairs are and how they haven't really changed over so long but they just they just do the job and I just skip down them and out the door and it, yeah just absolutely it, it has to be the smallest of smallest things I think at the moment and increasingly as you say weekend one there's going to be bumpier weekends to come, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that you had a blast, mate, and uh, I enjoyed myself as well. So weekend one in the bag. So we're not the only ones who have been trying to wiggle our way through weekend one since we've been in this partial lockdown. And this brings us to the segment of the show where we hear from listeners who have been living the Quarren dream, trying to turn being prisoners in their own homes into the most liberating of experiences. And today, lest we forget, is Mothering Sunday. And we wanted the whole show to be a tribute to our mums and all the mums out there because this has to be, for sad but obvious reasons, the most under-celebrated Mothering Sunday possibly ever, really, in the UK, given the situation right now. Certainly a very serious contender. And so, taking over Living the Quarren Dream today is none other than my mother, Jill, who you're also going to be hearing from later in the show. So here's how she's living up her self-isolating routine. Hello, this is Jill Ware, James's mother. Day two of isolation in Fulham. There was a wonderful, really beautiful sunset tonight. That's something that raised my spirits. How else can I offer any positivity about surviving and thriving in isolation? The two concerts I've been rehearsing since Christmas were cancelled. So I was delighted to hear about Gareth Malone's Great British Choir. Also on Instagram, something I'd like to share with people is beautiful piano music played by James Orford, who's a rising young organist. It's um, hashtag quarantine sonatine on Instagram. 
as a daily sonatine for a minute or two, which is really rather lovely. I've never been a great fan of social media, to be honest. And even in one day, there have been some great posts. So WhatsApp is certainly something I should be looking at more. And I hear you can play Scrabble online. This I need to investigate. Most of all, I think looking out of the window and seeing sunshine and we're lucky enough to have a view of the River Thames. So that's constantly changing and refreshing and realise makes you realise that's been there a lot longer than us. I think back to the days of the Romans and where they decided to settle because of the, the depth and width of the River Thames. And that's why they chose Ludgate Hill so they could look down from the highest point down to the river where they could cross it. Anyway, I hope everyone's managing to stay cheerful. The thought of three or four months is pretty daunting, but we're all in this together, so be strong and let's go for it. Bye. Yeah, so that's that's a great initiative, I think, James. And thank you so much for your mum for sharing that. And yeah, we're going to hear from both of our mums a little bit later. And I think, listen, because of our age range, uh, we always, obviously, our social circles are wrapped up in the same kind of generation, mate, aren't they? But I think as this podcast progresses, we need to be so aware now of everyone on that age spectrum, of how it affects them in different ways and what they can do to, you know, it's very easy for our generation, the generation below us to be uh, online and connected with stuff. But it's important to look up as well as down I think and it's funny because I was talking to my mum today actually about Mm. how it affects different how this whole thing affects different people from 90 to 18 and it's not like the 18 year olds have got it great and the 90 year olds have got it terrible or it's not like there's there's one phase of life where this is a better place to handle it all in is it like if you've got small kids that comes with your chat with its own challenges which we're going to talk about next week potentially so yeah i just think it's, it's so important more than ever and you know i'm guilty of it as we all are you get wrapped up in your generation stuff and you don't care about the generation above or below so yeah i think across the age ranges mate it's it's really important that that everyone pulls together and, and, and these digital these digital initiatives are opened up for everyone and people really try and, if they can, help their mums and dads and grandparents get connected and get online and get involved in these things. Yeah, completely. I think one of the things in our bubble of our generation and people online that has been really great this week is seeing so many people, whether they're meditation teachers, yoga teachers, fitness instructors, whatever skills they have and whatever they do for a living opening up doing these Instagram live streams or live streams on other social media or websites so that people can have access to those for free and they're using their skills to try and help people through this in their own small way. I think that's been a fantastic thing to see and I'm really happy that that's being used across the generations, right? My parents normally sing in two choirs. They had both concerts, which always end up being the same week. It's one of those things, when it rains, it pours on the choir circuit. (laughs) But they had both concerts cancelled last week, which obviously was quite last minute because it was when the situation was developing really quickly. Both of those concerts were called off. And that's such a big part of their weekly social life and routine that I'm really pleased to see that people are thinking about how the internet and technology can be used not just to cater to people like us who are native to it, 
but also to those people who actually maybe need it even more right now and need their activities replaced even more right now. So that's where I'm really pleased to hear about that from my mum in particular. And she's not the only one, of course, who's been living the quarantine dream this weekend. And there's this astounding story that's come out of France. Now, I struggled this morning with my home workout after my failed yoga class to kind of convince myself and motivate myself like I would in the gym. It took a couple of sets and like getting the music pumping and the blood pumping to match its tempo before I was kind of seriously doing a workout rather than just like oh I'm just in my living room I think that's going to be a challenge for all of us but this man is an inspiration to us all when it comes to the new workout regime he's called Alicia Nashomovitz and he is confided to his flat in Barma a southern city near Toulouse and he didn't want to break up his marathon training. And an idea struck him, stuck in this space, that he would run a full marathon on his balcony, which measures only 23 feet. So he managed to run the full 26-point-mile distance in just over 6 hours and 48 minutes. Pretty decent time considering all of those turns. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a running equivalent of like tumble turns in a swimming pool <laughs> that you can start getting into whether he was like front-flipping these as he went. <laughs> but he managed to complete this full marathon, the full distance there. And he said that part of his goal was to kill as much time as possible, which I think is something that is motivating us all in our activities right now, whatever they might be. But he was also trying to do it as a challenge that he hoped would be a feat which showed his gratitude and support to key workers as well, inspired them and other people stuck indoors. And I read an interview with him where afterwards... He was asked, well, how did you feel after it? And he was like, I felt pretty nauseous, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. That's Which a lot of turns, yeah. <laughs> sounded Not- like a completely fair response. Marathon's tiring enough without doing it as a kind of extreme dizziness challenge, too. But an option for all of us if we want to do some more extreme home fitness there. Yeah, it is. And I think that increasingly as these lockdowns in London and beyond James become a little bit stricter, a little bit stricter, a little bit stricter, what I think we're going to be left with is running, right? Like that is you're going to be allowed to leave the house, uh, obviously pharmacy to go to the shops and to run. So I think really it creates a kind of odd London loophole where as long as you're running, you're not breaking the law and you're not putting anyone else's health in danger and you're not putting your own health in danger as long as you're obviously a couple of metres apart from people. So I, th- I really do think there's an opportunity for all Londoners. Like, if you don't get into running now, James, you are never, ever going to get into running, right? Like, that, that close that door, you're not, you ain't a jogger. So yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting over the, uh, the weeks and months to come to see is London just going to be full of people just jogging? You know, and you can't, at the minute you start walking, you're breaking the law. So yeah, listen, there's never been a better time. Start running, folks. Right, this section of the podcast is called Coronavirus Confessions. It's where we invite you into the Coronavirus Confession booth just to offload really get that weight off your shoulders you're in a safe space 
and you can really, really tell us what, what what's on your mind. Well, one thing I would have to say, and I, I'm going to repeat this every podcast, James, is please mm. stop sending us your very crude coronavirus confessions. I mean, th- there's a limit, guys. James and I received the coronavirus confession this morning that, frankly, if it was scratched onto the wall of a Berlin nightclub toilet, it still would have been quite shocking. So, like, let's keep them cl- <laughs> let's keep them clean, folks, please. Uh, and t- and today the coronavirus confession is is from yours truly, and this is my coronavirus confession. Hi, my name is David. I'm 33 years old. I live in London, and this is my coronavirus confession. Today on Mother's Day, I saw my mum. There you go, James. There you go. Wow, drop, drop with real gravity there, straight to the point. Cutting the fat, that that was a lean, mean quarantine machine <laughs> of a coronavirus confession, that one. Do you judge yeah. me? I'm not going to judge you, Dave. I, I think I'm going to need a few facts first to clarify. And I have to say that, like, for me personally... I made the decision not to see my mum at all, not even to like drop anything off and try to maintain the two metres distance because I thought that that was probably going to be sort of weirder and harder for her and for me too as an interaction than not seeing her. And I found it really hard. Like today was a sad day because of that. And on the grand... You know, in the grand scheme of things yeah. right now, that that's a really small thing. But I've only missed saying like Mothering Sunday or her birthday a few times in my life, normally when I've been on the other side of the world. And to be a couple of miles away in London and not be able to just spend that quality time together and like celebrate her in that way felt really sad. That's the best way that I could explain it. So... I can totally understand. Well, well, first of all, James, let me just um, let me just attempt to. I'm not going to justify, but let me explain. Uh, me and my mum today we kept the government and scientific recommended two meters apart throughout, which is all you can do at this point. For, I mean, sure. I don't have a clue, and 99.9 percent of people don't know the correct thing to do. We're just following the top-down advice. You have to. So we kept the two meters distance apart throughout. We didn't hug when we met which is a really kind of bizarre moment in isolation. must be the first time ever that I've kind of seen yeah, my mum and not yeah. given her a big hug. So there was that, which, which is very, very odd. The second thing that I'd like to say is that I've been in self-isolation for, for seven days now, and actually my mum's similar in different parts of the UK. So there was a logic and emotion way up there. We, we felt confident mm. of our situations, so comfortable enough to meet. Also, I just think it's so, so important, and there's a lot of, Everyone's emotions are so charged mm-hmm. that everyone is casting or a lot of people are casting a lot of judgment whenever they see people meet in twos or threes on the street. And you really, really don't know what's going on when those people are meeting. So just try and appreciate, I think, that when people meet, there could be a passing of medicines. There could be someone's been totally alone for three weeks staring at four walls. And they desperately, you know, that that human interaction is, is actually really essential for their mental health. So... We have to look at this whole thing a bit more holistically, I think. Uh, yes, follow the government guidelines, of course, but telling people, you know, that they, they, they absolutely under no circumstances should see anyone is, I, I think, you need to 
you need to see the whole picture here. And, and I, think that's, I think that's a debate that is going to be increasingly important. If we're cooped up for two months, three months, six months, a year, I think people need to appreciate that lives will be lost if everyone just stays inside. Lives will be saved as well, but lives will be lost. So there's that constant balance and people way more qualified than myself can... Uh, can 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 seesaw that up really yeah thanks for sharing dave and i think the most important thing right now it seems to become clearer and clearer to me is look you've got to hear the facts about someone's situation and the only thing i think like we said in episode one of this podcast right back towards the beginning of a week, which seems a very, very long time ago indeed now because of the way that things are developing so fast. And as we're saying, our whole experience of time has really transformed itself for the moment. But we were saying even then that it, everyone's going to react personally and there's going to be a sliding scale of that. And people are, as long as they're abiding by the latest rules, the latest regulations and the latest official advice, as long as they're abiding by those things and those things are clear, then I think people's reaction and what they're doing outside of those things, where there is a little bit more room for personal preference, at least for the time being, I think people are entitled to that and we shouldn't judge people either way for how they're reacting as long as they're abiding by the rules and regulations from the government. To me, that seems pretty simple and straightforward right now. James, it is, of course, Mothering Sunday. And so what we decided to do today is to get our mums to contribute to the podcast. And they have done so with, with I think, fantastic results, I've got to say. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say when I saw my mum today, James, she brought me up a little bag and I appreciate I'm 33 years of age, but she brought me up some, <laughs> some food in here, uh, a Spanish grammar book that I'd left there. And, and, nice. and she, also, she also brought a Christmas tea towel. And it got me worried. Like you always trust your mum that she knows something that you don't, right? And so when she got me a, a, a tea towel that had Christmas-like embroidery on it, I wondered if she, she knows something about coronavirus timescale that I don't. So that got me a little bit concerned, I'm not going to lie to you. But um, yeah, listen, uh, I'll play out this clip from my mum. And she talks about what we're all talking about, really, the, uh, the, the isolation, the, the crazy world that we live in. And, and hopefully there's a bit of positivity in there as well. Without further ado, my mum. Well, hello, and I'm delighted to be invited to contribute to this exciting new podcast. I am, in fact, David's mother. My name is Jane, and I'm 67 years old. Today is Mothering Sunday, a day that has been kidnapped by the coronavirus, a Sunday I will always remember. A Sunday, despite the coronavirus, the sun shone, the trees are blooming and busting with buds, and the spring is upon us. Quick thoughts on isolation and social distancing. Horrible, frustrating, saddening, and definitely not natural. But we have to follow the gov's guidelines, government's guidelines to keep the death toll down. Every life is a valid life and every death is a loss. Dave, I can see where you get it from. That was an absolutely all-star, aplomb-filled delivery. Oh, well, I mean, 
yeah, listen, it's always nice to, um, yeah, hear from your mum. And uh, what can I say, James? Hopefully, hopefully, I certainly always will take something from what she says. And hopefully anyone listening to this podcast will uh, pick up a nugget or two as well. Uh, right. The mother of Mr. James Ware up next, I believe. Yeah, here's my contribution from my mum, who seems to have taken the task very seriously indeed and submitted it as if it's some kind of like anonymous Sky News type interview. There's no reference to like the fact that this is our podcast or that (laughs) I have anything to do with it. This is a proper old school Vox Pop. We're going like old school journo here on the London Coronavirus podcast. But here is what my mum has to say on her day, Mothering Sunday. Hello, my name is Jill Ware. I'm the mother of James and Marcus, who are 28 and 25. I think it's a sad situation that social distancing and possible isolation are necessary, but if it, it's a small price to pay to avoid coronavirus. Everybody's lives have changed so dramatically in such a short space of time. Having just celebrated my 70th birthday, and I was so lucky the family celebration in Bruges went ahead just before the crisis, I am now in social isolation. I think that despite the difficulties I face, it must be much harder for young families, especially now that schools have been closed. The main possibilities, uh, sorry, the main positives are that it makes one prioritise. Contact with family is so important and the internet and social media offer so many possibilities. Also, many younger people have got involved with community initiatives to help people in need. So there you go, my mum, who at the start of that, I thought sounded like she was giving... You know, she'd had a camera shoved in her face and a journalist was suddenly interviewing her, but then quickly realised that this was her chance to address the nation. And I thought (laughs) ended up sounding a little bit like she was giving her own queen speech by the end of that, which is only appropriate. My mum is the queen on Mothering Ah, Sunday, for me anyway. So Fantastic. I think that was an appropriate way to go about that. But interesting that both our mums riffed on some of the same things there, Dave. Like, I think what I really took away from that was we wanted to not only get our mums on, but get some older voices on. And I can see that everyone in their different age ranges are having different experiences of this, yes, but also it's just flipping hard for everyone, right? Like you were saying earlier in the show, whether you're at the younger, lower end of that spectrum or whether you're at the other end of that spectrum it's really hard and really challenging for all and yet the things that are helping in that that we can still say connected with each other via phone internet that there are positive things coming in the community seem to be coming through across the generations too yeah definitely and i've got to say that one thing i took from both of our mums talking is the composure like real calm, real composure. Mm. And I think there's something that, that 
I thought I took a lot from that, actually, because certainly our generation and generations below us, perhaps we react so instantly to stuff. And I'm as guilty uh, of it as anyone else, James, especially over the last week. Right. Just mm. absolutely not keeping my cool when when things are like when things are rapidly spinning so quickly, like around you. And I just took I think there was massive uh, composure from both of our mums in that. And I, I loved what your mum talking about gratitude. Definitely. That's been such a, I mean, I said how I love the stairs now. So like definitely my gratitude <laughs> levels are going up very very quickly as quick as the stairs you could say and I took from my mum's thing uh, just how she said it's not normal and I think we can patch over not seeing each other not hugging each other not looking at each other in the eye not touching each other on the arm we can patch over all that for a week a month six months and we can be strong with that James but I think Mm. everyone is so aware that it is not normal is it and it's not you know we can't do a decade of not hugging our mums right like it, it it's not a normal thing and it's great that everyone's found these positive outlets but the baseline layer for me is that it's not normal not to physically connect right yeah that completely was clearer than ever so far today to me because of the fact that yeah it's mothering sunday right the most natural thing in the world is to want to see your mom like spoil her and give her a hug and the fact that those things many of them were just off the cards for so many people and some of them were off the cards for all of us really drove home to me today that this just isn't normal and I think what both our mums touched on there as well is that like this is a time of sacrifice for everyone right like just because those are small things doesn't mean that they're not incredibly important things and everyone by following the guidelines and doing the right thing is making that sacrifice and it it's a it's a hard sacrifice even though it's a small one and i think it's also a beautiful one actually because it is emotionally and in other ways hard for all of us right whatever our age whether we're mums sons daughters grandparents grandson whatever parents like wherever you fit into that friends it's really 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 challenging for all of us but it's something that we're facing up to for what is undoubtedly a greater good and i thought that really came across from both of our mums there too Every day here on London Coronavirus Podcast, we have an expert come on with their top tips that can make some aspect of this situation slightly easier for you. But today, there could be no greater experts that we could reach out to, even with a small army of social media interns, than our own mothers. So we asked them what their top tips would be to us on Mothering Sunday. Advice to my son and daughters at this time. Nothing seems so bad after a cup of tea, a hot bath and a good night's sleep. I have been repeating these three essentials for decades. Positivity, energy, creativity, compassion and kindness will also get us through this period together. David, I hope you like the gifts of Jelly Babies, Lou Rolls and the Christmas tea towel. That's all for now. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Bye for now. 
Dave, glad you got the real essentials in there, the jelly babies and the loo roll. Mate, I don't... you through anything. <laughs> First of all, I've got loads of loo roll and I don't think I've had jelly babies in 10 years. But mum, it is more than, uh, I'm more than pleased to receive them. There's also a lovely little bit of banana bread as well, James, which I'm a sucker Ooh. for, really enjoyed that. So thanks, mum. Uh, and your, your mum, James, had uh, words of wisdom as well, of course. My advice for my sons is to stay in touch, to keep safe and respect the advice we are being given, not to take any unnecessary risks and to help others wherever you can. And I think we all look forward to the future when we can be together again and do things that we've always taken for granted. So there we have it, our mums, the most overqualified experts I think we're going to have on the show, Dave. But with some real value there, I think, not just for this really tough time for all of us, but in life more generally, I am very much going to be incorporating your mum's tea, bath and bed routine into any time, not just this one. Okay, next up on this section of the podcast, we have a global update from someone around the globe. This is a really good chance to kind of zoom out from London and the UK and just see a first-hand account of how some people are dealing with this uh, with boots on the ground in all corners of the planet. Uh, I've actually got a, a bonus feature here, James, today because I kind of over-recruited for global update. Got pretty carried Ooh. away this morning with the WhatsApp messages and yeah, eventually had two coming in good. And uh, let, let's kick off with Jonas, who is my friend who lives in northwest Germany. And, you know, when we ask people for WhatsApp notes from this uh, for this show, for which, James, I should say, we are very grateful for everyone that takes two or three minutes out of their day to deliver. But Absolutely. Jonas, honestly, getting Jonas, uh, he did so many takes. It was he was kind of like it was like coaxing a nervous Shakespearean actor onto the stage <laughs> that mate, there were redrafts. There were retakes. There was back and forth. There was lots and lots of reassurance. There was, uh, you know, different. You know, he sent me lots of different messages. But eventually he and I. Uh, settled on this offering and uh, Jonas is in Cologne in northwest Germany and yeah I think it just gives a sense of I've known Jonas for uh, over 10 years and he's uh, yeah he's a very good man and uh, yeah this is his take on what's going on in northwest Germany today. I am Jonas I'm living in the west of Germany in Cologne and yeah here you can also already see the effects of coronavirus and and yeah i've been to the supermarket lately myself and there's no toilet paper or there was no toilet paper at that time no soap pasta is mostly gone my cousin told me as well he was in four different shops did not get any toilet paper which is quite surreal and my brother also told me an interesting story that his girlfriend was in the bakery last week there was a person in front in the line asking the shop assistant are those all bread rolls? And she replied, yes. Then the same question again. Are those all bread rolls? Really? The shop assistant, a bit annoyed already. Yeah, those are all. And then this person just said, okay, then I take all of them, which is quite shocking. If you know that there's other people waiting in line behind you that probably also want to buy some bread rolls. And yeah, this is, I think, the effect of stockpiling that you can see everywhere at the moment uh, fortunately there's also some 
good examples or some examples of solidarity. For example, in my neighborhood, there's on every building, there's a paper saying, contact us if you need help with shopping or anything else. The laundrette next door offers to pick up and deliver laundry for free for elderly or vulnerable people. And I think everyone can do on its own a small bit, like asking in your building, your neighbors, especially the elderly, if they need help with shopping or some other assistance. Or even if you have more spare time, ask your local social institutions if you can support in any way. And yeah, Dave, we talked about this briefly before already that uh, this effect of the lockdown, the social distancing should be considered as well. And even virologists are saying this, that yeah, their recommendation obviously is lockdown, social distancing, but they also say that there's other consequences coming with this, like uh, mental health effects or cut off jobs, impact on social institutions, like for example, homeless shelters and yeah, probably many other things. And yeah, this is just to be considered when doing this and maybe to find some solutions to soften the effects of it. That everyone needs to yeah, look out for each other and also the countries should support each other and find maybe some common solutions for to help each other and to help the less fortunate in general. Yeah, that's it. Be social, stay safe and hope to hear you soon or see you soon. Bye. So that was my man Jonas in Germany. Next up is Theo from Switzerland. Theo is a very well-traveled man. I met him at university. Just flat out one of life's good guys. One of those that if you ever really needed something, you could ring Theo and he would deliver. He's lived in Switzerland for a fair few years now. And this is what he had to say about life right now in Switzerland. Bonjour, guten Tag, buongiorno from Switzerland. My name's Theo. I live in Basel in the northwest of the country on the border with France and Germany in the Dreilanderecke, as they call it, the three countries corner. As of around 1.30 on Sunday, 22nd of March, we've got 6,650 confirmed cases of coronavirus, of which I think there's around 90 deaths, according to John Hopkins. So quite a few. Uh, the first case was recorded only three weeks ago, so quite an escalation. The government declared a national state of emergency Tuesday just gone, which really did spring things into action in regards to those people that weren't working from home were mandated to work from home. I work in the pharmaceutical industry. My company had already stated that all employees that can, that aren't revolved around the manufacturing positions, they have to work from home. So I've been home base for about 10 days now. Um, <clears throat> but it also meant that all bars, cafes, restaurants, gyms, etc., all closed their doors. A lot of places are still doing takeaway, but um, yeah, it's a bit of a ghost town in Basel, particularly, you know, I went out for a stroll on Friday night and it was half six, 7 p.m. and there was no one around, the trams are empty. It's really bizarre. For Swiss folks, obviously they're in the bit of a eye of the storm being in the middle of mainland Europe, a lot of connections through to other countries from Basel, for example, you get a direct train to Paris, to Milan, through to Berlin. And uh, they have about, it was about three weeks ago when you know the government started saying we need to start clamping down on gatherings of more than a thousand people. So straight away, all the football league was canceled, postponed, and also 
it was carnival weekend the first weekend of march and that was straight away cancelled it was like cancelling christmas for the swiss so that really did start to show people that you know this was real and this wasn't taken lightly so far it's um it's just you know a lot like other european countries we're taking it seriously everyone is self-isolating social distancing normally in switzerland a lot of the mandates come from the cantons the regions the counties if you will of which there are 26 in Switzerland. But for this, it's been coming from the federal government. They've been really calling the shots, telling folks what they should and shouldn't be doing. So in the meantime, me and my girlfriend just hunkering down in Basel at home. We live right by the train station. So it's strange looking out over where well, there's normally like quite a bustling through fair below and seeing hardly any folks. But <clears throat> so far, we're hoping that this can be contained, well, like everyone else, really, as soon as possible. Um, through to April 19th, that national state of emergency has been declared. So another few more weeks, and then we'll start to see how how uh, things are looking. But everyone pays privately for their health insurance here. So, you know, kind of very much hoping and praying for all my uh, friends and family in the UK that uh, the NHS can cope with the incoming burden. Equally, I hope that uh, everyone elsewhere can stay safe and stay healthy too. So that was my friend Theo. Uh, James, just before we move on, I, I mean, I, I said it to you just then, actually, that it re- what really strikes me at these updates from around the world, and while this is, of course, like we're, we're trying to be as positive as possible, uh, you know, on this podcast, it's it just that the tone of everyone around the world is just so, you know, it brings it all home, doesn't it? The severity of, of just what's going on. And you can actually feel, I think, the and, and Jonas and Theo did great there, but you can just feel how this has sucked people's energy. Yeah, absolutely. The tone seems to be what unites everyone's responses, right? The details are slightly different in each country and they're changing the whole time. But it's crazy hearing these first-hand accounts and the way that everyone is is really feeling it, I think, is coming across really clearly. Like hearing their about the moment that the Swiss realised with their carnival, obviously a huge thing to them being cancelled. I think everyone individually and then every nation collectively in their own way are having those moments and and that leaves the mood we have. And yeah, I think it's a really important part of the show, Dave, that we get it in, get a feeling for the scale of this, the mood. And as you say, as much as we want to keep the podcast positive... That mood reflects the just horrendous numbers we're seeing out of different countries every day and the severity of the situation, which we're trying to react positively to, but is a situation that is also what it is. There's no going away from that. Now for the time where we wrap up today's podcast with a feel-good audio hug of an ending. It's time for coronavirus kindness. And today, to end our Mothering Sunday special on the right note, I felt I had to share a story of kindness that my own mum experienced on Friday, actually. And she was doing some shopping and managed to take a really bad fall during which she actually broke her wrist, sadly. But 
in spite of this being a time when people are being very, very careful in public spaces, people came rushing over to help her up and a taxi driver who had driven past and seen this happening doubled back, went out of his way to turn back around, came back, shouted out to her that he wanted help and he'd give her a lift anywhere of her choosing, free of charge. And so she got in the back, was obviously really upset, but he tried to cheer her up, drove her home and wouldn't take any money for it or anything. And I was really touched by that in a different way because it might not be directly related to the situation as lots of these stories are, but again, it showed someone who's going to be hit hard by this. I can't imagine that if you're a taxi driver in London, you're going to have much trade for the more than the foreseeable future. And the fact that someone in that position who's going out and about knowing they only have X many days where there are going to be substantial numbers of public who want to use their service and are paying for it, their first thought in that moment is just to help somebody really, really moved me, obviously, especially because it's my mum and she was in a tough spot. But I thought showed that even in indirect ways, there is this spirit of kindness and wanting to help that's being brought out of a lot of Londoners and a lot of people around the country and around the world right now. And it's something that we quite rightly end the show by celebrating. And that I think it's really, really important that we never lose track of in spite of the horrible and devastating statistics and situations in so many countries around the world right now. No, absolutely, James. Thanks for thanks for bringing that to light. I think you're absolutely spot on and kindness is definitely still out and about. Um, well, we, we, we end the podcast these days, James, with a little quote, one that was sent to me by my sister yesterday that for me really touched home and especially I think ties in with about talking, us talking earlier about gratitude and the importance of the little things. And the quote is this. It was from uh, the magazine The Week, actually, which if you're in the UK, you'll be familiar with. It's a kind of topical magazine of, of, of news stories over the past week. Somehow it is the cancellation of the mundane that cuts through. Thank <laughs> you.